Hello, I'm Dr. Jesse L. Grice, founder and uh, senior pastor of Truvine Baptist Church. It's my heart as we welcome you. I welcome you, and I praise God uh, that you will get something from it and bless your life. And in Jesus' name, we love you. He's an awesome God. He's a mighty God. He's an omnipotent God. And because he is that kind of God, we can worship him today. We can lift him up. We can glorify him because he's worthy of all the praise. Pray with me. Eternal God, once again, we are grateful for your presence and the evidence of your presence in this place. Unless, God, you were here, the praise and the sweetness that it has brought would not have been possible. God, the cheers, the exaltations, the wonders and the glorious exclamations that have been made in this place, God, is evidence that you are here. And because you are here, Lord, we shall worship you and glorify you and know that you are still in control. So, God, now may I decrease and you increase. And as we all worship here collectively, we understand and are reminded that there's one audience, and that's you, Lord. And may our worship be genuine and true and an offering unto you. In the name of Jesus, we pray that everyone say amen. 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 Give an honor to our pastor in his absence and his wife. I'd like to thank you for joining us here at True Vine Baptist Church, San Antonio. And without further ado, if you have your Bibles, we're going to explore Isaiah chapter 41. Your Bibles, if you have your Bibles or your electronic device, meet me in the 41st chapter of the book of Isaiah, verse 10. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. We're going to consider this one verse, this single verse in our time today. And reading from the New King James Version. The words are as this, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You may be seated. This morning, for your hearing... As we've read Isaiah uh, chapter 41, verse 10, I'd like to use as a sermon title, Deliverance from Chaos and Condemnation. Deliverance from Chaos and Condemnation. The disobedient child is the name or title of a theatrical comedic interlude. 
that was written in the 16th century by a gentleman named Thomas England. This short play addressed the issues of correct disciplinary treatment of children and stressing the danger of those raised without strong discipline. It depicts a young guy who acts against his father's words. He acts against his father's misgivings and he is eager to marry this particular young lady. Lo and behold, in his eagerness, he finds out later that he made a grave mistake. And so, as a result of this, this short play, this, this comedic interlude, the lesson here is, you've made your bed, now you lie in it. You've probably encountered situations where the moral of the story restated its purpose the same way. You've made your bed. Now you must lie in it. The decisions that you have made, the consequences you have to deal with, the consequences, the results you have to bear. And so... Here in Isaiah, God's people were given deliverance from condemnation that was represented by God's judgment. They, the people of Israel, lived in exile under a hostile and oppressive Assyrian nation. For years and for decades, they lived under the threat of another nation, restricted from doing what they wanted to do, living how they wanted to live, going where they wanted to go, governing how they wanted to. And in this hostile and oppressive environment, the Assyrians were, frankly, a tool used by God to correct and discipline his people. It was because of Israel's long-standing rebellion and disobedience toward God that God finally subjected them to consequences. Where in essence, you've made your bed, now lie in it. And the fact of the matter, if you are a child of God, God can arrange your life circumstances and make it in a way that you are oppressed. You are brought under judgment. You are subjected to hostile situations. And so this oppression that Israel is living under is simply the reading of the verdict by God that you have been found guilty 
And because of that guilt, you will be condemned to judgment. The Old Testament is, is, uh, gives numerous examples where Israel as a nation, God's chosen people, were in hostile situations where they were the minority they were the small figure in a big fight, yet because of God, because of God's presence, God's power, he helped them to overcome. But in this case, after long-standing disobedience, rebellion, God subjected them to this harsh punishment. And so, practically speaking, the children of Israel, they entered into alliances with the wrong folks. They had relationships with the wrong kind of people. They entered into a spiritual compromise because of their associations with others that were not like God. They didn't fear God. They didn't honor God's ways. They didn't do what God would have them to do. So God's people forsake God's ways, forsake God's words, and they took upon alliances with other nations. This led to intermingling socially, politically, and doing those type of things that objected to God. You know, we are the same way where we have interests that we want to satisfy, and we tend to go to any length a measure in order to fulfill those interests or selfish ambitions. And that's what we have here with the nation of Israel. They went astray. They rejected God. And more importantly, they did not repent. And so the judgment or the condemnation that they had to deal with meant that there would be destruction by a holy God. The truth of the matter is that when God judges disobedience, God judges sin, it's really God expressing his holiness. It's like one coin. One coin, you have heads. On the other side, you have tails. God is holy. And in the presence of sin, he cannot be. So when we, as God's people, reject him, the other side of that coin is God's judgment. So the recipe for God's judgment is they went astray. They rejected God. They did not repent, and that equaled destruction and condemnation by a holy God. You know, God is still holy, so that means that we have to survey our lives and where we currently stand. Because 
If you are a believer here today, then the same obligation for God's people here in the scripture is the same obligation for you, and that is to stay with God, not go astray, to reject sin and evil and embrace God. And when you fall and when you do sin, be hasty, be quick to repent. So Isaiah, the prophet, after he's called into the ministry, Isaiah serves as the mouthpiece of the Lord. And as a prophet or the mouthpiece of the Lord, he brings pronouncements along with proclamation. And throughout the 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah speaks on the behalf of the Lord to nations. He speaks on the behalf of the Lord to kings. He speaks on the behalf of the Lord to rulers and to other people. In Isaiah, collectively as a book, not only are these words of prophecy, but there are poems in the book of Isaiah. And particularly when we read chapter 41, verse 10, these words are resonating as words similar to Psalms where God calls his people and says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So we understand that the children of Israel are under condemnation, but there's been a change. There's been a change, a turning point here in their life experience. And it is there where we find deliverance from chaos and condemnation. This this change, that this turning point that had occurred in Scripture is seen better in chapter 36 because the very tool that God uh, uh, used to discipline uh, the children of Israel is the very tool that got out of hand. The Assyrian nation was used to discipline and correct God's people. But in chapter 36, we see that the king of the Assyrians got too haughty. Yeah, he got too big for his britches, as they used to say. He protested against God and thought that he was greater than God. And so in his Boasts the Lord had to act in a way to subject that king and that nation because they thought that they were the reason why they were able to prosper over God's people. Uh, I need to stop right here and say, don't you understand that if you are a child of God and you are going through, God has allowed those conditions 
to exist for a reason that those conditions do not subject you, meaning that they don't take anything away from you being a child of God. And that the value that God has for you is still set and still permanent and is not compromised just because you are going through. Because the same God that allowed the trouble into your life is the same God that can regulate the agent of that trouble. Deliverance from chaos and condemnation. So I don't know where this text finds you today, but the word of encouragement is that you can find deliverance in your relationship with God, whatever the circumstances, whatever the chaos, whatever the conditions, our God stands ready, able, and equipped to foster your deliverance. It was a turning point. It was a turning point because the king of Assyria, 36, and one says, now it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah that Shennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the 45 cities of Judah and took them. Then the king of Assyria sent Rabshenek with the great armies from Lishith to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. And he stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller field. And Elakim and the sons of Helakiah, who was over the household, Shinabath the scribe and Jonah the son of Ahabs, and the recorders came out to him. And it's here in this engagement that as you read in chapter 4, uh, verses 4, 5, and 6, you see the discourse that is occurring and the rest of that chapter, how this king begins to uh, 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 pump himself up over God's people. And so what you should understand and what you, you should know about this situation is that because of this turning point, wherever you are, know that God brings consolation. God brings deliverance into the lives of his people. And it is only God that can grant you deliverance in life's situations, life's confusions, life's chaos, and ultimately eternal condemnation. And so what we see here in chapter 41 verse 10 is that when God steps in, the experience of your deliverance is real. It's authentic and it is lasting and it has a place in God and God alone. And so the question then becomes that when we look at this one verse, what are the attributes of the deliverance God brings to his people? And I submit to you there are four words that you should keep in mind when you survey the attributes of God's deliverance of his people. And the first word is sovereignty. His sovereignty. The second is his purpose. 
his purpose, and his presence. And the last word that I will share with you is his power. It's God's sovereignty that is at act in 41 verse 10. It is his purpose and his presence together that is also showing itself. And lastly, it is his power. So the sovereignty of God, God is sovereign over time and history. God is sovereign over time and history. For years, for decades, his people had been subject to this consequence and living in exile. That simply means that they couldn't do what they wanted to because they were in captivity. And what you should know, church family, is that because God is sovereign, that there is nothing in terms of time that he can't govern. And that God is able to rule over your present as well as your future as he has done in your past. God is sovereign over time and history. For years, for decades, and through numerous kings, these children of Israel have lived in captivity. They lived in bondage. They lived not being able to operate freely. You've been there. That when time after time, your situation doesn't seem to change. That the obstacles against you doesn't seem to wane. But God is still in control of that situation. And understand this, that no circumstance that you experience those circumstances, adverse as they may be, they do not compromise the lordship of our God. Is that because you can be going through hell and high water, but God is still God. His lordship is not compromised. And so, and so we should understand that the earthly and temporal circumstances of your life and mine, they are no match for the lordship of the God on high. Why? It's because of this simple idea that because God is the only one who holds the title as creator of both heaven and earth. And because he is God creator, there is nothing that can overpower him. The second idea here is present and purpose. Present and purpose. God is present and he's working on our behalf for his purpose. God is, is present and he's working on our behalf for his presence. Go back to the scripture in Isaiah 41 verse 10. It says, fear not. Fear not. Fear not, for I am with you. That word fear in Hebrew is Yahweh. It means being afraid, being of, uh, in distress, deep distress, deep concern of pain, deep concern of unfavorable circumstances. God said, fear not. No matter what the situation is, you don't have to be in deep 
distress. You've seen floodwaters where the water has been rising. You can wade through adverse conditions when God is your deliverer. He says, fear not. And so God says through the prophet Isaiah, for the people not to be afraid, not to fear, even though they are under immediate threat, they are not to fear. Even though the Assyrian nation currently has them in captivity, they are not to be afraid. What's your threat right now? What thing is countering you? What is subjecting you to captivity? Is it a mindset? Is it a sickness? Is it a disease? Is it a problem? What, what, what is going on that will provoke you to fear? The word of the Lord today is fear not because uh, I am with you. And that which he has allowed, he's allowed for a purpose. To work out a grand plan, a grand scheme. So you don't have to worry. This, this, this notion of fear, it never existed before until sin came. This, this idea of fear was no place to be found on earth until sin came. If you meet me in Genesis chapter 3, there's specifically a passage that we get a testimony from the man named Adam. And Adam says in Genesis chapter 3 verse 10, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Adam, who was created with no sin. Adam, who experienced all optimal conditions. Adam, who had no fault in his mortal body, all of a sudden says, I was afraid. All of a sudden, he says, I recognized that I was exposed. All of a sudden, he fearful and he understands that he's exposed. He's naked. So that simply says that when we operate in fear because of this sin, that God can step in and change that situation. And that fear, fear is the expression you have when there is no God. That when God, when you are disconnected from God. But the word here is that you are connected to God. And that you are his child. And so you don't have to live in fear, in deep distress, in pressing concerns, no matter what the situation may be. And so what we see here also in Isaiah 41 verse 10, not only do we see that God is sovereign, he's sovereign over time 
as well as history that we also see that we should not fear because God is present and God is working on our behalf for his people. In Psalms 45 verse 10 it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And so you don't have to fear. And the other thing here, it says not only to, not to fear that I am with you, it says do not be dismayed. Why? Because I am your God. And as a result of him being our God, the third point, church family, is that when we think of he as our God, we can be still. Because what's happening is that he has power. He has power to enact on our behalf. God's power keeps his children safe and secure. And he says, he says here that I will help you. He says, I will uphold you. He says, I, I, I will help you. I will uphold you. He also says, I will strengthen you. When God is operating on your behalf to bring you deliverance, understand that when he wills it, his power is operationalized in your situation, that he will come through, that he will strengthen you, and he will do so in a way that is mighty, in a way that your enemy, in a way that your oppressors, in a way that that threat has to come under his control. It has to come uh, under his authority. It has to come uh, under his command because he is uh, your God. He is uh, my God. He is uh, ruler over heaven and earth. He's God. He's God. He's here to help us. He's here to watch over us. He's here to keep us. He's our God. And so you wonder... Why is it that one moment there's condemnation, but the next moment there's deliverance? One moment there's condemnation, imprisonment, and oppression. The next moment there's deliverance, there's freedom, and there's hope. Standing in the middle between condemnation and judgment and hope is in the backdrop of Isaiah is the Savior, Christ Jesus. Because the deliverance that is being proclaimed to the children of Israel is because of a soon coming king. Where the earthly kings have failed the people, a soon coming king will help the people. Where earthly powers will try to overcome God's people, a soon coming king will deliver God's people. When earthly circumstances would oppress God's people, the soon coming king will relieve God's people. You know I'm talking about that soon coming king walked on the earth for 33 years. That soon coming king did miracles and signs and wonders. That soon coming king died on the cross for your sins and mine. That soon coming king 
died on the cross and he was buried in a borrowed tomb that soon coming king slept in that borrowed tomb for three days and on the third day that soon coming king by the name of Jesus got up from the grave with all power 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 in his hand and it's because of that power you don't have to fear because of his presence and his purpose you don't have to be afraid come one may whatever be my God can supply will supply all my needs your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus the Lord he got up one Sunday morning he got up with all power in his hands and he's your deliverer and mine Thank you so much for your attendance and your support of the podcast. We do hope to see you again or hear you again or even talk to me again. And we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you.